and we're live. So, welcome to the one, the only, Mormon Talk. Today's episode, Religion, Why? And we realize that's kind of a broad topic. Obviously, the LDS religion is a religion, so it relates. But uh, we feel like we should talk about this in a little bit more detail because it kind of relates to a lot of the mental things that are going on with all churches, including the LDS Church. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. First of all, we're going to start a little new piece of our show. At the beginning of each show, we're going to talk about kind of the, the Mormon church in the news. How about that? So we'll give a little snippet. Today's news, I'm going to just play this intro to the new segment for you guys and uh, you can tell us what you think i'm going to just play 40 seconds of this intro and you'll you'll get a little clue of what's going on here right now update about the arrests of these two men after an undercover human trafficking and prostitution sting in utah county authorities say they found evidence of child pornography involving babies while taking richard martin of riverton to jail he's accused of trying to talk a mother into letting him have sex with her 12 year old and six-year-old daughters the mother was really an undercover police officer. Martin is in jail tonight. As part of that same investigation, another man, 51-year-old David Moss, was arrested and bailed out of jail this morning. He held two positions of trust in the community. Brona Tolmelty on this story for us tonight. Brona, one of those positions of trust was with the LDS Church. Yes, indeed. One of those positions of trust was with the LDS Church, and I would love to listen to Brona, the reporter because she has this wonderful Irish brogue. <laughs> She's obviously from Ireland. Um, so, yeah, his position of authority in the church was a bishop. Imagine that. A bishop involved in a human trafficking scheme? Never! Never! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. It's, it's just ridiculous, guys. And we're definitely going to have an episode or two on this abuse that's happening in the Mormon church. There's reasons why it's a haven for these assholes. And we can talk about some of those reasons. And look, if you're going to have a religion, at least change shit like that. Okay. Don't make little kids victims in your church. Come on. Anyway, now back to the actual episode today, religion, why? I think, Dave, you were ready to kind of kick us off on this discussion. Okay. Well, first of all, happy Saturn Day. That's um, right. The days of the Saturday. week are, yep, it's named after Saturn. And uh, that is relative to the subject as far as uh, what the ancients used to place their worship on. So religion, the word itself comes from the Latin relegare, which means to bind or restrain. Interesting. And as I was looking that up, the lig in religion is also the root of the word ligature. So if you have forensic people that show up at a murder scene, for instance, they will sometimes comment to the ligature marks around the person's neck. Yeah. Thing, oh, they died of asphyxiation, see the ligature marks, or they were bound, there's ligature marks around their hands or ankles. 
mm-hmm. and I started thinking, what kind of spiritual ligature marks do I have as a result of being bound to religion? Wow, great okay. analogy. <laughs> yeah. I have created a small list here of the the main reasons that religion came about. So what we'd have to do is look at the history, and of course this is going to be the best we can do as far as uh, reaching back, and, and we weren't there, but we know human behavior. And so mankind, humans are innately seekers. They want answers. And so they looked at the world around them, trying to make sense of things, and they begin to see supernatural, what they figured were supernatural things. We Things are happening. They're moving. We don't know why they're happening. And so they begin to identify those with supernatural beings. That's when the first big jump took place. So, in other words, the movement of the planets, of the sun and the stars, uh, something that happened every day and without all the light pollution like we have today was a big part of people's lives. They had a lot of time uh, to sit and think about what was happening around them. And so they began to create gods or supernatural powers that were behind these natural or yeah, natural manifestations. So one of the main reasons is to make sense of the world to uh, explain uh, a response to fear, a response to insecurity, survival in an unpredictable world, right? How sure. shit, I could die a hundred different ways mm-hmm. in the next few minutes based on what I'm observing around me. Now, one that's not quite on that same list is uh, to feel approval, um, to provide a sense of belonging, which mm-hmm. create subconsciously driven group ritual, and along the same lines to seek assistance. So in other words, I'm not able to do these things. I'm going to it's, it, it, seek assistance from an outside source. Yeah, belonging and, then the final and assistance one, above yourself, right? It, it, exactly. I, my powers yeah. re- reach this far, and then I'm limited. Right. And to ultimately to instill order in a chaotic world, and and then that turns into control. Mm -hmm. So the ultimate, uh, going off of survival in an unpredictable world, religion is primarily a search for security, not a search for truth. Hmm. That's my consensus there. And this is why religions tend to become excessive, neurotic, controlling, and even evil. Hmm. Yeah, and I wonder, these are some really great concepts here, and I wonder this whole idea of seeking comfort and happiness, you could add to that, I guess, as opposed to necessarily what we would call truth. Uh, Because let's face it, sometimes the truth doesn't give comfort. (laughs) You're on your own, buddy. Damn it, that's not comforting. That doesn't make me happy. Um, but 
then you had this point in time, and you referenced this a little bit in your in your background of, of religion there, this group concept where somebody sees an opportunity and they're like, okay, wait a minute, the group is coming up with this common belief here in whatever, let's say the, the fire god, okay? Because he keeps yep. us warm and he gives us this light and this comfort when it's cold. And, uh, hmm, I wonder when we had this situation where the guy in the tribe is looking at that and says, what if I had a special relationship with the fire god? <laughs> <laughs> and I could tell these guys the will of the fire god. And who thought of that to begin with, right? That's that's a whole so other that thing. You, you hit a really important point, and that is that they first, they, you know, early humans, were first observing this this movement, some of it completely chaotic and erratic, and some of it very systematic and ordered. Mm-hmm. And they noticed an agency and so for instance originally they would have thought that rain itself had an an agency that it was doing what it was doing for a purpose Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay and so then there there must be something behind so now there's a rain god Mm -hmm. so your point is is beautiful because that's the creation of priesthood what you're talking about the god of fire or the god of rain, we need fire to survive. We need rain for our crops and to drink. Mm-hmm. And if you're the guy who's got a special connection, you're now elevated in your status in our group. And so whenever there's a group, because of our tendency, our nature, we, we tend to create a leader. Isn't that uh, industry? Because if you yeah. look at certain groups of people historically, let's just take Native Americans as an example, and I don't know all the intricacies of all the different tribes, but we can see historically in general, right, that if you look at the way that they treated their relationship with the supernatural, as far as we know anyway, or unless we study them more intricately, they they would occasionally have a guy that had a special relationship, right? Like a shaman of sorts. He was usually focused more on medicines, helping people with physical ailments, etc. But as far as, for example, we need it to rain, so let's persuade the god of rain or the great god in the sky, whatever, to send down rain for us. We see them participating that in that in a in a group manner. So they would perform a dance together. They wouldn't go to and, one guy and say, "Hey, can you ask yes. it to rain?" And so you you're know. talking about the creation of ritual, which was the next right. step. Uh-huh. In, so in ritual comes religious. next. Yes, ritual, which is interesting that, because that not all of these years. rituals ended up in one guy being the person who would ask the god of rain to make it rain, right? right? Like, to my knowledge, the Native Americans never progressed to the point where, 
we're not doing dances anymore because it's nothing that we as a group can influence. We have to turn to the shaman or the or the spiritual leader and ask him to ask the gods to make it rain. <laughs> so there's Absolutely. different kind of evolutions that happened, I guess, between different belief systems, right? Some of them stayed very ritualistic and kind of group involvement and others you have this idea where maybe they gave some of that up in place of one guy that they would go to to talk to the gods okay so we're talking about guys mm -hmm. uh, what's interesting is that if you look up the and th this is fairly well historically documented the earliest religions were feminine deities the the power of procreation mm. was the foundation, I guess, of their belief systems, their religions. The fertility goddesses mm -hmm. are the oldest and go back. And so the feminine uh, womb was the place where life was recreated and therefore mm -hmm. the human race sustained. And then mankind started thinking... <laughs> <laughs> with a small head instead of the big head like he always does. Well, without me, she couldn't get pregnant, so... And, and it went south from there. Well, so the patriarchal religion, yeah, some you of know... these ancient religions, the phallic symbol everywhere, right? I mean... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, fertility. And, and the dominance so, of the male as opposed to the female. Yeah. And then you, most of them were polytheistic, meaning they believed in many gods. They had a a god for each of the elements, a god for, you know, functions of nature, things that were happening. Mm -hmm. And that was thousands of years. And so with Abraham and the Judeo-Christian Muslim religions of about 2000 B.C., it was when there was a major shift to monotheistic mm -hmm. religious systems, uh, which is Mormonism would fall under. Well, and I need to interject there for just a moment to say, guys, that in itself is worth a lot more research. So if you look at the origins of uh, Judaism, and especially as we move forward from there and, and we get into this concept overall of Judeo-Christian religions, you know, Israel, Israel, the L there is a god and it's actually a much more ancient god than the god we're familiar with in judaism today and it's a god that they adopted from the people who lived there before them and so i know i'm opening a huge can of worms <laughs> there but uh the point is these religions had a primitive origin, even the ones that we would look at today as a quote-unquote modern religion. There was always something that kind of came before, and I think that goes to your point earlier, Dave, of, of the evolution of these. I'm, yeah, my, the wheels are spinning here. You know, I don't want to get into the Anunnaki, which go back to pre-Sumerian times and even thousands of years before that which is a belief system that these, these gods were from another part of the universe um, and definitely 
showed up and manipulated mankind. So the next thought that I had was, well, let's try to look at this world, its existence, without the presence of any religion. What what would that look like? <laughs> I mean, do wow. you, you see where I'm going with that? Mm-hmm. I'm, we're, let's say it never, it just never happened. Well, we, we saw, here. hasn't that been interesting, though, because we've seen times in history, so if you want to just simplify it a little bit, you could say, you could create two pillars, and you could say on the one end we have science, secularism, etc., you know, focusing on the natural senses and our ability to find things out on our own, and on the other end, the pillar of religion which is very much steeped in supernaturalism and and these primitive beginnings that we talked about earlier. And there have been times in history where these two have majorly conflicted. So we have times, and we think of people like Galileo and even before him and after his, his efforts, and these two opposing forces, which has very often, unfortunately, been opposing rather than a, a nicer marriage, and you've got the secular movement, man trying to find out what's out there in the stars and actually daring to explore this, conflicting violently at times with the religious powers of the day. And so right, these right. phases have happened, right? Where we could have, to your point, if it had advanced in one way versus another, we could have had this secularistic movement essentially get rid of religion if it had moved in that direction at the time. And unfortunately, anciently, um, there was no conflict. It was one world. I'll call it spirituality, mm-hmm. which is a, a, a marriage of, of science, and uh, which is... Science is what? Observation of phenomena. That's it. And so we're looking for repeated measurements of observations. And and if something's repeated, we can say, well, that's probably valid, or that's what's really going on there. I mean, the whole religious uh, experience is based on feelings and emotions and beliefs, which is a complete different world. It is. So so let me jump in here real quick with one from Dawkins, and it's not him specifically. Let's see, let me get the guy's name so I get this right. Uh, Charlie Chaplin? No. <laughs> Could have been. Sam Harris, <laughs> in a book called uh, The End of Faith, he says, we have names for people who have many beliefs for which there is no rational justification. When their beliefs are extremely common, we call them religious again, common. Otherwise, they are likely to be called mad, psychotic, or delusional. <laughs> Clearly, there is sanity in numbers. Wow. That's and fantastic. Yet, isn't Think it? And, about and that. yet, it's merely an accident of history that it is considered normal in our society to believe that the creator of the universe can hear your thoughts, while it is demonstrative of mental illness to believe that he is communicating with you by having the rain tap in Morse code on your bedroom window. (laughs) Wait a minute, that happened this morning. And so, while religious people are not generally mad, their core beliefs absolutely are. 
<laughs> what a fantastic quote. Yeah. And man, you know, for sake of time, I, I'm going to refrain, but to, to your earlier point, we could go into so many of these so much deeper. Yeah. So what I see, you know, with the Mormon religion, okay, they're monotheistic, and, and yet there's a, a ton of disagreement about how many gods the original founding members of the church believed in for years and years it was one God, and, and it's even in the Book of Mormon, it's in the Doctrine and Covenants. Um, it's only really the 1838 account of the first vision that where yeah, he introduces Christ and that they are two separate beings. Mm -hmm. More than one person. Uh, and when we say one God, obviously for our listeners, we're, we're recognizing the, the evangelical Protestant belief of the Trinity, Right, which was still there. Right. Three in yeah. one. And in fact, what you just said, the Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, etc., confirm that. They speak they of do. not always the, the Holy Spirit, but very often the Father and the Son, quote, and they are one God, unquote. And it's go. very Trinitarian. And to your point, only in later, later much after Joseph started all of his, what do I even call it? <laughs> Creative <activities>. imagination. <laughs> um, does he come up with this version of the first vision where he says, oh, by the way, it was Jesus and God, the Father, two people. Oh, well, first you said it was an angel. And then, anyway, that's different. Um, yeah, another so, subject. So the so, idea of a god, can there be religion with, without a god? Uh, no. Uh, no, primitively, even so, if you so were to recognize that as a power in nature, that's still this supernal, right. supernatural and, right, and it's entity. something outside of me. And, and so now you're introducing uh, these ideas, which I thought of earlier, but am I pleasing this god? Or is God displeased? And so now we've just realized that the God we've created is definitely anthropomorphic. This God, especially in the Old Testament, uh, can be happy, he can be pleased, he can be really angry, he can be jealous. He has the full range of human emotions, so he's clearly an extension of a human being, but with somehow supernatural powers, um... And really Real quick, quickly, one... just to connect that, right? So we started yeah. in this primitive belief system. Just to connect that and keep this thread going, um, why would they care if this God was happy or not? Well, because, so we established already that they care because this has a real impact on their comfort and their happiness. That's why they care. Sure. And so even if that sure. comfort and happiness started primitively as simple as I'm warm, I have shelter, I have water, etc., that stays with us as religion progresses. And even though those basic needs may not be as critical or important as they used to be, because they're more prevalent, you still have the why do I care carrying forward in religion. Hmm. So, 
having God, uh, being called God, what, whatever it or he or she is, is is a is a cop out. Is kind of the point I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one more in Dawkins' book, and then I'll leave it alone. It says, "Why is God considered an explanation for anything? It's not. It's a failure to explain." A shrug of the shoulders. Uh, I don't know. Dressed up in spirituality and ritual. If someone credits something to God, generally what it means is that they haven't a clue. So they're attributing it to an unreachable, unknowable sky fairy. As for an explanation of where that bloke came from, and odds are you'll get a vague pseudo-philosophical reply about having always existed or being outside nature, which, of course, explains nothing. <laughs> so yes. good old Dawkins. Y- yeah. You know, it, it's grasping at straws, but the... Not uh, wanting to ask questions. That's a huge well, issue the, here. The intention, see, it's it's like an easy answer, I guess the point I'm trying to make. You know, we're naturally inquisitive. That's how I started this discussion. We're naturally asking questions. We we need a story. That That's an interesting aspect of humanity. We We really need a story. And once we adopt the story, it makes us warm and fuzzy, like you were talking about. Uh, Nine-night time. <laughs> so, <laughs> tell me a bedtime story. There it yeah, is. Maybe that's yeah. the, the the origin of the bedtime story. Tell me a story that will make me feel so damn comfortable and warm and fuzzy, and I'll just shut my fucking mind off yeah. and go to sleep. And. Why would this proliferate, even in a modern society, even as science becomes more prolific and and advanced? Because we're still humans, and we still have that primitive peace to yeah. ourselves, right? We still want that yeah. comfort, even if we don't, as I said earlier, you know, need to even if we don't feel like because we have grocery stores that we need to pray for it to rain so that we can grow our crops, that inherent need to make supernatural entities happy so that we are protected and comfortable and have our blankie, you know, is still, I guess, a part of us, right? It's it's like inherent. It's almost... Call it gene memory or whatever you want to call it, right? There I, is some of that concept, but so and it goes right back this, to it, yeah, it's insecurity. It's yeah, it's right. The the opposite of that of that comfortable uh, everything's going to be okay thing is innate. I mean, the first thing a baby does when he pops he or she pops out of the womb is ah, shit. Yeah, holy know? shit! Where am I? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, Where's what did the I do? Warm, comfortable <laughs> womb. Yeah. That's yep. us, right? Where are we? Holy shit. You know, and look, we both agree. I think many of our listeners would agree. There's so much beauty and wonderful shit in this world. But there's a lot of suffering and, and heart stuff, man. You know, and that, that duality is just simply part of life. Wouldn't it be nice to kind of coddle ourselves on the hard stuff which is a lot of what religion does. And so Mormonism, as we fast forward in our last few minutes here, um, mm-hmm. no different, right? Very Protestant, very evangelical back in the time anyway. Um, 
And of course, people want a good story. This was a great story, very creative. Very creative, yeah. Something new. Some things very unique. A lot of those didn't evolve immediately, but some teachings very unique. And are still evolving. <laughs> and are still evolving. Great point. We'll talk about that in an episode of its own. But, well, well we kind of did already, right? Have you had a good yeah. revelation lately? Not right. so much lately. All the good ones seem to be gone. <laughs> one but, uh, one yeah. difference is Mormonism requires a lot more. It does. Uh, God, The God of Mormonism is just not that happy with mm -hmm. your efforts unless they're supreme. Mm-hmm. And even then, what's held out is a belief that that will produce a reward yes. for you in, there in some future carrot. life. There isn't a there is a carrot, right? Um, Absolutely, which of course. There is in most religions, right? And is that carrot virgins after you die, or is it this concept, which is very comfortable, of an eternal? life with your family with your loved ones forever in this bliss um that's probably gonna provoke some action from people what do i have to do to get that right in fact that's one big differentiator between mormonism and lay christianity as a whole is this concept of earning that earning that reward which Mormonism is often criticized for what I'm seeing is that with almost all religions the prize or the carrot is being held out for some future life that everything that you do including giving of your money your time your talents <laughs> and everything that you are and have and own and, and think and, yeah. and Everything is given to this church so that you can be part of something in a future life. For me, my spirituality is based on having some joy in the present. Mm -hmm. And and that's all there really is in, in my and I'm changing the subject there a little bit that everything is here now. And so that whole system of give your entire life really, in every way, to a religious system in hopes for something in a, in a future life. You know, my, my next natural question, and then what? I mean, is there another life after that? Right, uh, right. Or... You know, <laughs> just to throw a little plug in for our buddy Thich Nhat Hanh, <laughs> he has Love some him. fantastic things to say about this ever-searching syndrome, right? Ever-reaching so having this destination doesn't mean for everyone that you can't have any you can't experience any happiness or fulfillment now but but you're at least a big part of that is not now right you're search you're headed in a direction yeah. and when you're this is what he means by the concept of aimlessness which sounds negative when you hear it what are you aimless you don't have any purpose in life mm -hmm. no direction. it just means I'm not looking for the carrot. He has this beautiful quote, uh, which goes something along the lines of, having no aim 
or having no destination, rather, I am never lost. Think about that one for a moment. Yes, very Taoist. He's a he's a Buddhist monk, but very yeah. very Taoist. That's now, um, people would say, "Oh, you're talking about religion." Um, real quickly, Hinduism, Buddhism, Taoism. Uh, we're never meant to become religions. I don't think Christianity, what what you know, Yeshua Ben Joseph taught, was ever meant to become a, a religion. Mankind created those. That's what we do. Man creates religions. Yes. But the teachings are extremely valuable sure. and have a lot to do with finding tranquility, peace, happiness here now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Many of these teachings are teachings of what you would call love, acceptance, um, whatever you want to call that, brotherhood, sisterhood. Higher teachings, yeah. uh, And we have that capacity. What what I have found through meditation, real quick, is I'm going to go beneath or deeper than that outside surface level. That survival ego level is the surface of, of me. It's, it's my physical presence, essentially, on this earth. If I go within, and we can talk about this a little bit some other time, through meditation, <clears throat> through silencing my monkey mind, I will find that that peace is already within me. But it's being strangled by all these voices, internal and external. So if I can tap into that, which is what Thich Nhat Hanh definitely had a gift for, and taught, and te- still teaches. In other words, he, one of his books is being, being Peace. Not just teaching peace, being peace. Show up as peace. Don't just go around teaching, oh, we need peace in the world. Be the thing you want to see. Now, that's beautiful. And just yeah. to wrap it up, folks, as we knock on 35 minutes in a second here, and we Uh-oh. are, by the way, going to work on getting these down to 30 minutes again. Thanks for having patience with us. Um, pulling this back to Mormonism. Why Mormonism? Why religion? It goes all the way back. And the point here, and as Dave said, we will talk about these kinds of things in future episodes, off and on intermingled <laughs> with more cynical, <laughs> topical Mormon stuff, right, is is this concept of, look, I'm going to just throw this out there. You don't need it. You don't need religion. Spirituality is okay. And these teachings, many of them are beautiful, but you don't need religion. And there's no need to feel like you need to please a god and earn a carrot. And this approaches the general topic of, okay, I'm, I'm questioning, or I'm in the act of leaving right now, or I have left the Mormon church. What's left? What's out there? My world paradigm has changed. And that's part of actually what we want to talk about in this podcast series is, again, you know, mixed in with these other topics, what do you do when you've left or when you're in the process of leaving? There's this fear because your paradigm has always been you're working for the carrot, you're going to displease God, you know, you have all the answers to life's great questions. Now all that's gone. What now? So, so you can almost what, pair religion 
in that right. way and you could call this kind of an episode or this kind of a question religion why dot 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 what now right and the what now piece we can maybe talk about more in the future right. thank you for joining us love you guys uh, love that you're taking your time out to listen to us bastards <laughs> and uh, what do you think Dave well Real quick, one request uh, for for the audience: if if you you're feeling bound down, going full circle now, do it, do it. A body search and a mental and an emotional psychological search for ligature marks in your life where you might be bound down. What a great wrap up! Back to that definition of religion. With. Yeah. Yes. Thanks. Peace bro. unto all. Peace unto all, indeed. Join us next time. Love you guys. Peace out. Adios.